Hello everyone. Welcome to LTV Talks with Karan. Today we have JC Day with us. JC is a conversion consultant and a senior product designer at GitHub. She's commonly known in the subscription space for her work with Blinkist, where she helped increase trial conversions by 23% and at the same time reducing customer complaints by 55%. Not only this, but they also managed to increase push opt-in rates by more than 1000% by the same by implementing the same design she's an advocate to drive such impact with an ethical design framework and i'm super psyched to be talking to her today jc welcome to the show thank you for that introduction i'm so excited to be here <laughs> awesome uh, so you know honestly i just wanted to get started with the with your really sh- your short to fame right so i want to get started with the blinkish paywall um I know you designed it but for the people who have not uh, heard that story before uh it would be great if you could walk us through like what was the problem that you were trying to solve and what was the kind of results that you saw with the effort that you put in Yeah for sure So I was working at Blinkist um uh you know what Blinkist is but for everybody out there uh Blinkist is an app with um a lot of different books that are shortened into some bite-sized uh 15 minute blinks. Um so pretty cool app as over 20 million users. I don't know what it's at now. Um but yeah, you can go check it out. Uh so when I was at Blinkist, I was a senior product designer there. Uh I noticed that the the top complaint was that we could all probably relate to here is that um somebody would sign up for a free trial, give their credit card and at that 7 day they would be charged. and usually unexpectedly because they probably forgot that they even signed up for it um forgot to cancel and then people really were pretty angry about this in all of our reviews and so i noticed that and i brought it to the team and said or to to stakeholders as well and said like this is something that's a, a serious problem for our users like this is something that we should be fixing now and um at first i came with approach like let's just get rid of this subscription altogether um this is something that people r- really don't like uh so let's not do this at all but then of course this increased our conversion by a ton uh by 20% when we first implemented it and this was something that all other apps were doing so we kind of thought okay well everyone else is doing it so it's okay um but then from that then i decided like okay um i have to find a case not just for the user and get rid of this entirely but also a way that we can still make revenue somehow make a business case for this um so that's how the the, the project kind of started um and and yeah and from there then i uh brought i sorry i did a bunch of research worked with a research team uh to see see what the problem really was maybe maybe a quick question on that uh you know when you were identifying the problem itself in terms of like okay customers are complaining about um about being charged when they were not expecting it or that blinkist was not letting them know that you're mm-hmm. going to be charged was that complaint unanimous and wa- was there any other noise in terms of what complaints you were hearing was there a prioritization process in place where you went with this idea and there was did you receive any pushback in terms of uh this is not the problem we should be solving for sort of thing 
Yeah, yeah, of course, in the in the reviews, there was like there was like all other different types of, of complaints as well, maybe about the pricing or maybe that there uh, something about the product. Uh, there was there was different kind of of complaints about a variety of things. And we were focusing on all of those other things that were maybe less important or less people were complaining about those and uh, focusing on those instead or just focusing on conversion and not user problems at all. Like, how do we just how do we make the subscription better to get to get more conversion, but not actually improving it for the user. Absolutely. And then how did the uh, how did the prioritization process look like from there? So you identified a problem and you said, OK, uh, customers are complaining about this issue. Um, so how did you convince, let's say, the stakeholders to go for qualitative feedback and to rely on that to like test out a screen? Was Was how hard was it? Yeah, so I really had to find that balance between the user case and the business case. And um, so I came up with the idea of like, how does this benefit? How does this benefit the business? And uh, so some things there with that we wanted to decrease these customer complaints because ultimately that would lead to more growth and downloads of the app uh, if we have less complaints of this because there was just so many. And also just that it would just be better within our team. We would feel better about what we're working on with less complaints and we feel better if, if something is a bit more ethical that we're doing here. And um, from that, then that's what I what I were a couple of things that I, I pitched uh, to the stakeholders and said, OK, let's try to we could run an A-B test. Um, so it's not a huge risk to the company. We can do this pretty quickly. So it's not a lot of uh, development time. And uh, let's see if we decrease these customer complaints and if that leads to growth. And then then they were like, OK, you know, this, like, let's just try this out, out as a test. Nice. Yeah, it, I guess that's a, that's also like a culture thing, right? Because you also have like these companies. I also work with Blinkist quite often, I have to say. So I know that the culture is super, um, super pro testing and they are very open minded culture in terms of like the team organization and uh, right up to the top, right? So people are very open to experimenting. Um, I've also worked with clients who are not that open and hence you see like these ideas being shut down. Uh, for instance, I had to fight with a client once to just make the gray close button a white one so that people can see it uh, that was uh, that was definitely on the other extreme um, of what culture to expect when you want to go with these ideas um, yeah uh, but about that uh, close button I've definitely seen those situations as well because like even just changing something to be more visible or something seems to be more ethical but then the but then it can really decrease in conversion for example so it is definitely like a fight that you have to kind of like um really have a business case and yeah this like use case together because you also have like these business i think we'll come to that in a bit when we talk about uh what does ethical conversions and consulting mean for you but essentially you have these constant war of business outcomes versus what's right for the people and there is some or there, there should technically there should be a good overlapping area but when the, it's not it's very difficult to convince um, you know, business stakeholders that you should go for an idea that is pro people. Um, because oftentimes what you're reporting on are short term numbers. No one is reporting on numbers after a quarter when people are talking mm -hmm. nicely about it. Uh, for example, we are talking here today about Blinkish Paywall because you did an excellent job, right? So that's a lot of good faith that you're acquiring for Blinkist and for what the work you did. 
but it's coming after a year or two i don't know maybe like 5 years after after you designed it so it, you know th- there's a long tail of of good um for what the work you did it's not something you would see one week later as higher number of conversions necessarily um what i would uh what i would love to uh, for to know is also like what were the results then uh, that from this experiment like what was it that uh, that you saw once you started with this test yeah so so now that we got kind of buy in to actually be working on this project um we did do some more research to like investigate this deeper as well um we saw like the cancellations by the day of the trial the first day was the highest and then the second highest was on the 6th day we also did a cancellation survey so to ask people why they canceled and also why they weren't subscribing and the top complaint was that they were scared to be charged And so this matched the data that it looked like people were just nervous and canceled right away or maybe made a reminder to cancel on that 6th day before the 7th day. So I took all of this research to a workshop and I uh, got the whole team together. I love running workshops because it gets everybody's ideas um and um collected all those ideas and um unanimously basically we wanted to work on this specific problem um and figure out if we could do some trial reminders. um and that was the the idea that came from this so yeah so from there then i kind of i ran with this ran with this idea um i did some designs for this i actually coded this myself as well to make it super quick and i uh, used some kind of components that we already had um and so yeah this was like something so after you subscribe you'll get like a modal that says do you want to get uh trial reminders so on the 5th day you will get a notification reminding you that you can cancel before um before uh the ca- the you're charged for that full year and so from this we actually thought that there would be more cancellations because we're reminding them of course like hey you can cancel so we thought it would actually go up by 10% but we thought it was worth it for the ethical side plus like the decrease in in customer complaints so yeah we ran this out as an ab test and got super surprising results so we saw 4% people less uh cancel um whereas we thought there was as i mentioned like 10% more which was fascinating and we think because people felt trust with blinkist then and also that they may be reminded to use that maybe they went and saw the daily blink that day from clicking on that um and so yeah uh, that was amazing we also saw from this also uh 1116% increase in push notification opt-in um so people were really most people were were clicking to opt into notifications when they did see this that's great i mean i mean this this is this goes to say how for example ethical uh designing right or designing for the people can take you to not only like a a good outcome maybe that 4% is a is a even a bonus like you were ready for a minus 10% which is uh, which is already which says a lot again about the culture that you were in but uh, you know once you are getting mm-hmm. a plus on that with all the other benefits right i remember you mentioning uh, in another podcast that we can link out to that you were you saw saw 55% less customer complaints as well and you have like you know you kind of solved a very big problem which typically apps uh, like blinkish face which is getting users to opt into notifications so right like i think this is a strategy which is still not used as effectively where you are positioning yourself as someone who's going to help you um make these notifications count right and you did this very clever not cleverly but like something which is not many people think about where you're offering them 
a paywall which says hey we are going to send you reminders don't worry it's a problem you're facing and then if you want to solve that problem also opt into push notification and that has so many other benefits to it like you said right like people because of that might have received daily picks that they might have engaged with um so it's almost like a loop that you created where people are right of the bat more engaged and more trusting in what you want to offer them as a as blinkist for example that's super nice sorry just to respond to the 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 wrapping up of the of the blinkist results and what happened with that after two because you mentioned like the 55% decrease in the in the customer complaints and that was like yeah definitely like the final result of this and that was um we also had to wait for that like as you've mentioned like we had to wait for some time to see if those like complaints um those complaints did go down um but in that time as well yeah we designed designed this subscription screen because this last test worked so well so um we launched the subscription screen um with a timeline and this was telling people like when they were going to be charged and also that they'll get this notification and um from this design we saw a 23% increase on this ab test uh, in conversion so we saw 23% people more uh sign up for um, for the for the free trial, so all around a great project, and um, in the end we saw decreased customer complaints, but also this like huge increase for the business and these other metrics. That's amazing. I think like also uh, so you know you saw more trial conversions, less customer complaints, more push opt-ins. So nothing could be better, right? In uh, in this experiment, I think mm-hmm. everything about it just worked, uh, which is incredible. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, so yeah. that's great results and uh, you know I saw that from Blinkist you're now working as a conversion consultant, ethical conversion consultant. And I'd love to know from you like what does that mean um what does that exactly mean and what are you trying to do that's not currently present in uh, let's say in today's space of subscription. Yeah, so I'm starting to offer some uh consulting in that space. So this is like focusing a lot on like the most important touch points at the beginning onboarding to increase retention and increase conversion. So um yeah, I would I would work with the with the company to figure out what where their pain points are, um understand their user really fully, and then I can provide different concepts and maybe different strategy for what they can do to increase their conversion and retention. Um so I I've seen at with talking to various companies as well as that Blinkist um that just j- different changes to the onboarding can just increase conversion so much and also retention. So I would work yeah with companies closely on improving this, coming up with different kind of concepts um and then they can take it and they they can work with their designers um and their engineers on their side and they can decide okay yeah sure we can try this and implement it and AB test it and then I can take a look at those results and then iterate from there so just working closely on like really focusing on on the growth aspect maybe they don't the company doesn't have um doesn't have a growth designer on the team maybe they don't have the capacity for focusing on that right now um maybe they just need an expert in this area that really knows what works for companies and then that's where I come in got it got it that's incredible and is it uh, so if you break that work down right like if where does the ethical fit in uh, are you is it is it almost like you want to work in this field and in your work you are as as the foundation you are going to vouch for practices that are more ethical than what you see uh, or is it more of a you know it's more of a culture thing right it's a culture fit that you see and if you see that 
uh, customers or clients want to go that route then you sort of steer yourself in that direction Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I, I didn't mention the ethical part in there, but that's a definitely like a huge part of my work as well, is that everything is ethical. And um, I believe with these, with these, having it so ethical, uh, it brings more conversion, it brings more retention. So with every step of the way, I always consider the ethics and make sure. Um, so for example, like with uh, mentioning cancelling, so I've seen with companies that um, on that subscription page, actually mentioning how you can cancel, uh, increase conversion by a lot, mentioning um, that you can cancel, this is how you do it. And that was also a huge complaint that, that I've seen is that people actually just don't know how to cancel. Um, and as much, and if you mention that, it's ethical for the user, and then also you're, in, you're, you're getting more money from this. So um, it's a win-win uh, with, the, with ethical conversion for users and for companies. Absolutely. I have like a very good example of what you just said, right? Like I had, uh, I was subscribed to this one service where I tried to cancel my plan and it was a, it was a very costly service. It was almost like, you know, 50 euros a week sort of service. And I was trying to cancel my plan and I went onto the app, couldn't find a cancel subscription, cancel, whatever. Uh, I went to their website, I went to their FAQ. And it said it mentioned like in very fine print a number that you have to call to cancel or to make the cancellation. That number was switched off for five days. And after five days, I could get through and finally someone wanted to, you know, was going to cancel it for me. Now, uh, compare this to something like ClassPass, right? ClassPass has this amazing uh, cancellation flow where if you're canceling, they're very receptive to they almost know what you're looking for like if you have pending credits they offer you to keep those credits after you you know when you come back uh, they almost always offer you uh, something to stay on so they'll always offer you like an extra class or extra um, points or extra credits to to sort of stay on with them and it's it's funny because i have spoken about both of these flows to my friends and family but in such different lights that the first product I don't think any of my family or friends would ever try or even think of trying. Whereas ClassPass, I've all, you know, I would recommend it to everyone who I speak with. So, you know, this does go a long way. I have experienced it as well because uh, definitely, uh, you know, th and it just creates a longer term, you know, longer term view on the on how the company is perceived by by your users, right? Definitely. Yeah, the, there's definitely some culprits out there that I actually <laughs> am planning on reaching out to who have these kind of systems, yeah, that you have to call to cancel. And of course, people aren't calling nowadays and it's like being off for five days. It's just nuts. Um, but I really, I, I strongly believe in these cases. If they did make it more ethical, if they made it more clear how to cancel, they would still, they would actually probably earn more money and then also get less complaints. And then also, like you said, like, I just keep hearing from people now that I'm working in this field, people complaining about this same thing. And I'm like, everyone's telling everybody about this. This is not going to be beneficial for you at all. Um, and uh, when signing up, they're not going to trust you. And trust is really important um, for if you're going to be taking somebody's money. <laughs> Absolutely. And especially, by the way, one one question to that, right? Like, is there any specific industries that you see within the app? So any particular verticals that you see that have more of these black hat practices than uh, than others? For example, I know that gaming as a as a vertical always has been famous for 
having these gems and you know coins and uh, things you can buy with money but not necessarily um, in a very direct way so they try to sell off a lot of things uh, and it seems to work for them right it's one of the biggest uh, revenue grossing vertical for in the app industry so uh, are they are these practices kind of more valid and more urgent for some verticals than others you think or what's your opinion on uh, on which verticals does these ideas apply to um more urgently maybe yeah i think these kind of ethical practices can work for different industries across the board um and um can definitely be applied and might be a bit different but it's still i think the same underlying underlying um ethics about it um, alliance and yeah definitely gaming is one for sure and um, that has like this like addictive kind of gambling quality that i don't think is great and something that i want to dive into more um and also just um i don't know i've seen kind of maybe like more old school products and, and things um being more sneaky about cancellation um and also with um like news articles, websites, and things like that. Um, seems to be a common pattern that it's just like very hard to cancel. Um, but in those in that case too, I think the same thing applies, like with the with the Blinkist project, for example, like it's just still letting people know how they can cancel. Absolutely. And I think even if it's a complicated process, just letting them know goes a long way. Um, but w one, uh, one area that I would love to uh, to, to get into is how, for example, you are uh, conducting your consulting work. So if, for example, you know, just to tap into your brain and like how you think about conversions, uh, if a client came up to you and said, hey, you know, let's uh, let's work on getting more conversions in and let's do it in the right way. What are typically the areas you're looking into? Like, are you uh, what's the first step for you? Is it directly to look into customer complaints or what are the sort of areas that you're looking into to sort of gather your insights so from my experience with working with other companies i already have kind of an idea of probably things that can and can't work for clients and then i think off the get-go i can just do a review of a client's like onboarding a bit of their app where designs can be improved but then also um maybe different different kind of flows or different kind of just screens that they can try right away right off the bat pretty pretty early in the process that we can get out as an a b test so we learn right away um, but then um, I would really like to go deeper than that, too, and do some more research or go through the, the client's research. Uh, also data, of course, I'm very data driven. So looking through the data, collect some of that, some research, maybe run some like user interviews, user tests. Um, also, as I mentioned, how we did a cancellation survey, I, th I think it's also helpful to have surveys at different points in the user journey. Um, so depending on the depending on the project, focus on those things and just really understand the user, because I think also too with conversion design, I think we need to think more about the psychology and understanding really what users want and need uh, to increase conversion instead of just like trying to use like a tactic that um, somebody else used. You can do that, of course, but just really understanding the user, I think is really important to make like custom concepts. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, that's a very big point, right? Uh, one question that I always have when I have similar projects is how do you uh, how do you incorporate best practices? Like a lot of times, clients have um, 
come up and then they say that hey the blinkist paywall did so well so let's get that in right i i can't tell you how many times i have implemented the blinkist paywall a force for a client but just because they think it's the it's the one that works the best and it often does uh, in the beginning until you start testing uh, on different hypotheses so what's your take on on using like let's say a you know uh, a paywall that has been known to work well uh, do you think it applies to all use cases or do you think or would you would you not go with that opinion and you would maybe uh, start with the research first and then only if it works you'd start implementing it Yeah, I've I've definitely talked to a few people where the Blinkist screen just just did terribly and did, didn't work. Um it seems like most companies it works really well. So, um I think if you have a process set up um like an with an AB tester and that you can that you can roll things out pretty quickly. I don't think there's harm in trying something that somebody else has done, but definitely make it more custom to you so don't just like rip off that exact design which i've seen people do of the the blinkist screen for example make it more custom to 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 your product and your use case and and your your user personas um i don't think there's a harm in testing those things out um but i think you can get more out of if you if you do do some research but i think with the blinkist paywall it's pretty applicable to a lot of apps out there if they have a subscription model mm. yeah exactly and i think it uh, there are two things that that always come up right one is that i think you you mentioned it uh in one of your articles i think that you originally didn't even like the blinkish paywall when it was like the first mock up you didn't enjoy it that much uh which was funny <laughs> considering how that is the one that everyone is using uh so extensively now um but the other part was also that you know you have these um these companies which take on these paywall and if i remember the context of why you implemented or one part of why you implemented the blinkish paywall it was because at that point in time subscriptions were not so common place so you had people who didn't understand subscriptions to the degree that they do today and so it was very uncommon for uh, for an app to offer 7 day free or not very uncommon but it was not so common as it is today uh, where you were offering 7 day free trial and you understood how it worked i would argue that for example now it's very very common practice that everyone offers a free trial um and people are kind of expecting it um so in your opinion does that also play a role in terms of how you design for um for conversions given that some practices become more and more standardized so you, now you don't need to sort of bring those in even if you are listening to customer complaints do you for example say okay now this is fairly common practice let's remove this part or how would you you know i guess the question is how do you balance legacy items or legacy understanding of your customers versus let's say the new opinions that are forming uh with your subscription model yeah so so things are ever evolving of course and i mean at this point as well um i actually thought at the time of the blinkist screen as well that everybody knew that they were going to be charged at the end of that 7 day trial but our user reviews and talking to users proved differently people didn't still understand even though we thought everybody did they didn't so i think this really comes from the user and if you see if you have an app and you see in your complaints that people are surprised then it's probably still not clear to them um so 
so yeah, I, th I think it's really ultimately like from the user. Um, but of course, things are, are changing and evolving, especially in the App Store and everything else. I mean, um, Figma now allows that you can um, you can pay for plugins, whereas before you couldn't, and you had to go to a website and subscribe from there from their website. And now they're taking some of uh, a bit of the cake and and uh, and doing like an Apple kind of. Uh, a model. Um, so with something like that, then of course, like you would have to kind of change how that works. Like how do, are you going to use this Figma, Figma thing? How do you set that up versus like what you have now that might be in your website? Maybe you keep that. Like how do you how do you do it now? So of course, it's like forever changing um, in the market. And as things come out and like new features and things like that. Um, but I think it's like always it's always changing and growing and yeah, new new ways to to increase conversion and ethics. And improve ethics. Absolutely. I think th that what you mentioned is also very relevant for onboarding flows because uh, you, you know, you mentioned somewhere that you had increased the onboarding flow steps from three to five, and you saw uh, an increase in number of people who were completing it and who were actually uh, finding value with the with the longer onboarding flow. So. Even in that case, right? Like generally, when I talk to clients, I have like this very, very aggressive pushback if I'm recommending more screens, uh, and it, I have a very hard time convincing people that it's not about how long the, or how the number of screens you have, but it's about the flow of what you're collecting and how you're asking users something, right? You could potentially just have one screen with all the information asked in that page, and your onboarding flow will not do well, and you now have apps like Noom, which have, I think they have like a 40 page onboarding or something, right? They, they just get on to asking you questions, which is insane. So how do you, wh when you're tackling like these onboarding projects, how, uh, how do you think about like, do you at all think about the length and what are some of your considerations in, um, you know, when you're starting from scratch, let's say when you're designing an onboarding flow? Yeah, this is yeah, this is a really good example of how things have changed. Because I mean, back in the day too, when I first started designing, it was like in the industry, everybody just said less onboarding. Like that was the thing. It was like don't put onboarding steps. It's bad for your experience, and um, this is going to decrease conversion retention. People don't like it, etc. And that was kind of just like in my head and what I was taught. And then at Blinkist, that's also what I implemented. We tried to add one more screen at some point, and conversion went down. And we thought, okay, that means we have to have the shortest onboarding ever. So we got rid of our sign up, we got rid of everything in our onboarding. And that did increase conversion a bit, especially with getting rid of the, the sign up with your email. I think that increased conversion by 10% once we got rid of that, but then we couldn't have a way to email them. So also had its losses. And, um, but then at some point, uh, we decided, and then after we did a lot of work on the subscription screen, we said, okay, let's try to do like a long onboarding and see what happens. And so we did do that. And then we saw and first, I think there was no decreasing, there was no change in conversion. But then this gave us a lot of room to be able to like experiment with different onboarding flows and experiment with asking the users different things. And we also saw with this onboarding too that um, like there was, we thought there'd be drop all the way down, like every screen. Once again, what I kind of was taught in my head, we didn't see that at all. On the first screen, there was a bit of 
a, a bit of drop and then it stayed stable the entire way. So if people went onto that first screen, they would stay there the entire time. So if we added three screens, if we added 10 screens, they were staying there, um, which was really interesting. And so with that, then we started to change screens around and like different things we asked them and different things we show them. And then that's when we saw like 9% increase here, 10% increase here, 6% increase here. Uh, so there was just like a lot of space to do that. And um, that's why when I pitch to people as well, that that doesn't shorter onboarding doesn't mean um, higher conversion. And I think that's being more of the standard now in the industry. It seems like these like onboarding is getting lo longer because people are understanding that. Absolutely. And I think it's also coming from the need of being like you need your apps to be more human and to understand what you need really before diving into the product. Right. Like some especially from like a reading app from a magazine app or whatever it might be even from weight loss apps right like you have these apps asking you so many questions uh, and you are filling them out in the expectation that they are going to serve you uh, based on what you answer in that onboarding flow right so i think there's also a, uh, also a balance to be struck like if you're asking all these questions i think as a as an app it's your responsibility to make sure that these questions are usable and you know actually provides you information that allows you to provide a better service and then you also show the user that you've heard their um, their preferences and you're serving them in a very customized manner I for example remember speaking to a, a weight loss app and what they did is they they asked you all these questions and in the back end you already uh, they already had the answer to which workout you should be doing but they made you wait for five seconds because they wanted you to feel that they are actually analyzing your data. But their algorithm spit out the workout very quickly, but they wanted you to wait just because you feel that it's, uh, it's processing your data and it's giving you a customized you know, feedback, um, which was very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, we also tried something like that similar at Blinkist, but I just, we didn't launch it. I just did like a user test about like how they feel about loading states and things and people really didn't like it. So uh, we decided not to do it and not just do it for the conversion sake, basically. Um, but yeah, I mean, another thing is like, um, it, it's, it's standard too that this first subscription screen always gets like the most conversion usually, I think across apps. Um, and with Blinkist, um, also we noticed that people were subscribing and then not knowing what the app was about. So that also didn't feel ethical if they're subscribing to something, they have no idea what it does. So at least with this onboarding flow, people understood what the app was about by the end of this onboarding flow. So they can make a conscious decision. Yes, I want to get this app or no, I don't. I understand what this app is about now, um, which I think is super important, of course, more ethical. It, it's, it's definitely more ethical, right? Like maybe in the initial conversion numbers, you might not see as high numbers as you would see if you put the paywall right there. But then if longer term, like if you're looking at even one, month one retention, I'm sure that these numbers are bound to be way higher than, um, than when you just put the paywall and don't really explain to users what it's, it's, what it's all about. Mm -hmm. um, there is this app which is called, I think, Momondo. Uh, I might be remembering this name uh, incorrectly, but there's an app which, uh, which basically sends you customized um, fashion accessories. So for someone like me who doesn't have any clue about what to wear, it's a very <laughs> nice app where you can put in your, uh, you know, 
put in your preferences it ask you like from a lot of questions in terms of like do you like this or do you prefer that and yeah. you kind of select your way through the onboarding funnel which is fun it's like a game almost and you are like oh this one be- this one's better and things like that and then at the end it picks out like five pieces of clothing that you uh, that they would send you if um, you know if you opted to use their service which was awesome right because at, at in the first onboarding flow i saw exactly what they were they had to offer and i could really tell that they knew what they were doing and only after that only after they showed me this five things that they were going to send they had a paywall which said now you just need to subscribe and we'll send it your way and that was i think the best sell ever i felt like this was so easy on the on the head because it really walked me through it and it kind of made sense it was almost like an in store experience right you walk in you select your clothes and then it's like the you know the paywall yeah. so super long onboarding as well yeah <laughs> i need to check this one out i haven't i haven't seen this before i heard of it i need to check it out <laughs> I'm going to send it to you. It's amazing. And then you also have like these workout apps, right? Like uh your workout apps always always works better if you have the paywall up front in terms of conversions and in terms of also people getting into a workout and actually making use of it. So I think again, like to your point it varies a lot, right? Uh, from industry to industry. Mm-hmm. So going back, right? Like now so you've identified when you're working for a client, you identify a problem based on all these like sort of research surveys and uh, from qualitative and quantitative feedback once you have that you have all these you know we kind of got got rid of all the benchmarking practices right so you wouldn't consider uh, or you wouldn't have a stereotype about how long an onboarding flow needs to be or what the paywall design needs to be so you know when you're looking at an onboarding funnel then like what are some of the other key criteria that you're thinking about length is one uh what are some of the other things that you're looking at uh, for a potential client that you feel like okay i definitely need to get this right in order to serve the serve the customers in a in a better way yeah a few things um i think it's really important to know exactly what the benefit is of course so um and actually illustrating that to the user so for example with blinkist it was saving time so we would let them know that you would save 56 hours or whatever this was per month or, or something we rewrote how much time you would save um for example so we're really highlighting that um also just like the like what you're offering in the vastness that the, that the app has so um letting i've seen that like letting them know how many categories of something you have or just how what is in the app how big of the app it is um is is really important um what else but also yeah i mean the storyline is also really really critical so for walking them through and telling them this story about what your app is about so they can get on board um similar to this one example that you had it seemed like it was like a step by step thing and you were like getting to know the app and um it has this flow to explain the story of what the app is about um and yeah and um yeah there's a, there's a variety of yeah it, it really depends on the on the actual project of course and product uh what the offering is and finding those points and then also um what i've done as well is like from all of these ideas just like get a bunch of ideas put them in front of some users do some user quick user testing 
and usually the ones that users react better to, you get to see better conversion. Um, if if they are totally confused, don't add it because your conversion is going to go down. So um, I think that's like an easy way to test as well is just to like even early ideas, just throw them together, do a quick user test. Yeah, Yeah, I, I think I, I read about that approach uh, of yours from your Medium article on Zalando chatbots for an event that you organize for them. And I know you ha you don't remember the article fully, so I wouldn't bother you with all the details, but it was it was very interesting for me to see how these usability tests can actually help uh, come to a solution because uh, I have always been a very data oriented um, in a very data oriented stream. So it's always like qualitative feedback is almost like the end of the puzzle where you have decided what you want to do based on like funnel dashboards or whatever it might be. And then you sort of validate it with quant qualitative data. Uh, but your approach was very very unique in that way and I'll link the article in the in the show notes where where you essentially went from designing the bot and you said okay what are the main issues customers are going to face and you sort of started categorizing those issues and started coding the bot to answer those questions in a very clear and a systematic way right so that approach you know I, I imagine you bring that to your work even when you're looking at onboarding or when you're looking at conversion um, for your clients. Now, my, my long-winded question is like when you don't have uh, an app like Blinkist or like let's say like a very big app who doesn't have that rich data to rely on, uh, what's, what are the sort of things that you would be looking at uh, for those clients, right? Like who maybe couldn't do usability tests or who uh, are in a hurry, which often clients are to get you know, to get the conversions in. So what is, how do you handle those kind of situations and what are the kind of areas that you're looking at when you have such uh, such a situation? Yeah, um, lots of ways. Yeah, I guess with, with, with apps, you can always look at app reviews, of course. You can just take a quick look through rough and dirty like way to like see what people are complaining about. Look it up online, look it up on Twitter. But we'll get into the, I'll talk more about like this Zalando bot one too, because we didn't really have any data or research on this project. Um, but we needed a way to do like research and get gather it quickly and easily. And uh, how we did it there was um, we just looked so, sorry, so the Zalando bot was for one of their uh, events that they were having, which was called Visions Conference. And they wanted to have a chat bot to talk to their users about the conference. Um, but we didn't have this information about what they wanted to actually talk about. And the thing is with planning and designing for AI, it's a lot different from just designing from UI because you um, you also need to see like, okay, what is the what is the scope of this, this AI? What is the scope of this assistant that they can talk to this user about? And what are we really gonna be focusing on? And at the beginning, you sometimes think, ah, oh, I can just answer everything, but you really wanna make like this kind of like area um, this like MVP understanding what people actually want. So what we did with this bot was we we took a look at Slack channels. So at the time, I mean, I think even still now at conferences, there's Slack channels or maybe they're using Discord now. Um, going through these different channels and seeing what people were asking. So what kind of questions are we answering, asking that like, a, a, you know, somebody could answer as the event organizer. We also went to some events. So um, I went as like a, as somebody who's like helping at like, like a meetup that was like, you know, whatever, an hour long meetup. Um, and I just thought what questions were being asked to me that was that was kind of a fun way to do it as well. Um, and then so we kind of gathered all of this into some spreadsheets and and um, 
and kind of sorted it from there. We also ran like a survey. Um, we just like found some people to send it to. I don't even think we offered any money. We just sent it to a bunch of people to see what they say. And we got quite a few answers there. So from all of that information, we ended up having a lot of data that was actually pretty quickly to, to understand and grab. And then from that, we categorized it. So people were like, these seem like pretty obvious, but we, um, but also we had so many other ideas what this could do, but people really wanted just the schedule, map and ticket information. So we really just wanted to focus on these, these three areas. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I think I encourage everyone to, to read that article just to also walk through your thinking process of, um, of designing, you know, almost like designing a user research flow, because it's, at least it's for me, it was very eye opening, um, you know, on mm -hmm. how I think you also at some point hired or not hired, but like got 100 Zalando employees to train your bot with like feedback and with uh, asking questions and things like that which is incredible right like if you have your own employees sort of uh, or you always can find those people from friends and families to to sort of play around with the tool that you've built and uh, super super interesting so definitely worth a read um, and as we as we start like wrapping you know like my last theme of questions to you is around like the future of of conversions and future of onboarding design right like how does that look and you know what kind of future do you think ethics hold in conversion design or in onboarding design so what's your view on on how this is going to progress as an industry especially with apple and google also promoting these kind of paywalls and this kind of uh, design that shows a user a very good deal of transparency like where do you think things are headed from mm -hmm. from here on yeah, um, yeah, big question. I guess we'll have to see, but like with it, it, it seems like a good shift that's going on too um, with being more ethical. I've seen people, yeah, talking more about cancellations and the onboarding and that people are finally understanding like trust is more important. And I think I'm hoping we're getting out of this era of being like some dark patterns to, con to convince people to subscribe. I'm hoping also that people start to consider before they even run an a b test like how what is the impact on the world of this because um as you saw with this article so many people have picked this up and same with like the seven day trial when that was picked up by all of these companies like even if you do it just for your um for your company this might take off across industries or other industries in like other other areas um and i and i hope that yeah, this understanding of finding business case and user case, like we can we can think about that more and kind of find discoveries in that area as well, like how we can find benefits for both and basically bring business and design together in a in a more um, beautiful, loving way. Um, that's not like kind of like the business goals versus the 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 um, design goals and um, or maybe like against ethics and. So I, I think there there's more there. I think with ChatGPT, it's almost a, another ball game of different types of ethics there as well. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a conversation for another time, right? Like that's a whole lot of um, yeah. a whole lot of things that are happening in that space. So that's definitely uh, a crazy one. Um, by the way, do you also see this this uh, being very often the point of conversation with your potential clients that people are coming to you with? Is that a concern that is coming up as well? Because at least in you know in the clients I work with, uh, 
I have seen that this is starting to be almost like starting to be a concern and starting to have weight almost when people talk about ethics in terms of how you design for your customer. Uh, when you are talk talking to potential clients, where do you see them in terms of their acceptance of this as a, as a criteria when they're designing a flow? Uh, are they very open to it? Are they, you know, like fairly hesitant? You, do you have to educate them? What sort of the, the level they're at right now? Yes, yeah, so to be honest, I think I'm kind of in a bubble and probably have biased people because people usually come to me when they've seen me talk about ethics and ethical conversion. So they come to me looking specifically for ethical conversion. Um, I don't really have people that are coming to me that don't want to have ethical conversion and are just looking for like quick tricks or something. Um, so people have been, all the people I've talked to have been really open to it and really want to like see an ethical change in this industry. So um, for me, it's all been pretty positive, to be honest. Um, I haven't had to, and also like online as well, um, I haven't had anybody being really against like the ethical side of it. Um, everybody, I think, kind of wants it. I think everybody does inherently want it to be ethics. I think just sometimes, of course, we live in a capitalistic society, unfortunately, and then these like kind of numbers have to be met and then they're, they're stuck in a hard place. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. I, I see it too, right? Like more often than not, what I see is like these uh, app developers, like more indie app developers, it's harder to have this ethical uh, framework to begin with, right? Like they get it, get to it at some point, but in the beginning, it's like to keep the ship afloat, right? They need to bring the conversions in. And uh, very often it's about making sure that we get the quick hacks in to get the ball running. And then uh, it's still more prominent than what it was maybe like five years ago so that's already like a big mm -hmm. um, big progress totally perfect perfect uh any last words by the way like any uh, any apps you want to call out who has like a super amazing flow that you wish you had designed uh you know as we as we end this do you have any uh, <laughs> any other further thoughts that you want to add Oh my goodness, I forget the names of some of them. Um, there's an app called Day Since. I saw had a really, really good onboarding recently. Um, I saw that All Trails recently in, um, implemented um, the, the timeline screen that was really cool. Um, there's so many, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but. Um. <laughs> no worries. Sorry for putting you on the spot. And uh, again, a big thank you for for being here today and for sharing very candidly all the insights that you did on Blinkist on you know on your work so far and I wish you all the best how can someone get in touch with you if they wanted to get uh, if they wanted some consulting or design help from you um, so yeah if you want some consulting or want me to do some kind of design work with you you can reach out to me at hi at jcday.com my website's jcday.com and you can find me all over the internet as uh, Two Average, so on Twitter um, or Mastodon, for example. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as JC Day. <laughs>